Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. I'm Augusto Pinaud. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Art Gelwicks. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to our listeners to this episode of Productivity Cast. Templates can be a clever time-saving tool in your productivity tool belt if you know where they are in your productivity system, as well as how to create and use them wisely. Uh, today, we're going to discuss what a template is, or rather, how you should use them to their best advantage in your own world. We're going to talk about what types of templates we use in our own productivity systems and how to overcome some of the obstacles in making templates in your productivity software work for you. And with that, let's start off with defining templates. What are templates in your world? How do you how do you define a template? And ultimately, how how do the how does your definition of a template benefit you? in your own outputs. I use template for a couple of things and or for more than a couple of things. A template for me is basically something that you write finally in the past so you can use multiple times towards the future. So I use them in many applications and for many purposes, you know, respond emails and respond things that can be really speed up and allow me instead of thinking the response or the same response every time allow me to look at the issue and work with the answers in a in a better way yeah for me templates fall into a couple of different categorizations um, commonly they are things that you, i would use for standardizing a process to make sure that it's consistent and repeatable um, or to improve the efficiency of some step in a process, maybe a capture or a discussion. Uh, finally, to really think about the simplification of a step because templates for me are one of those things where you don't have to think about that step anymore. You pop it up, you fill it, you know, you, you do the steps and you move on to the next thing. You're not wasting mental cycles trying to figure out what you're trying to do. And it, it really becomes an, a refinement of it. The fourth thing, though, with templates is, to me, they're an educational tool. I think a lot of people benefit from taking templates and then taking them apart and see how they were constructed. I know I do this all the time, and it helps me understand not only the process, but how the mechanisms work and gives me an idea as to how to adapt that to my own solutions. I'll tell you the funny thing about templates is that when we started discussing this topic a few minutes ago before, before the call... I thought, I don't use any templates. I, I don't think I have a single one. I think maybe I'll take the contrary view that people shouldn't use templates and I'll be the contrarian today. And right in front of me was a template that I use every single week. And I was editing it <laughs> for the call. I thought, I thought, hang on here. <laughs> maybe there's something to this after all. And uh, I, I, as I look around my life, I realize that I'm like a template freak. <laughs> if I'm not... If I'm not that, then I'm at least a lazy person who tries to take forward what I learned from the past so that I don't have to redo it and rethink it because it was so hard the first time that I've somehow captured it in some kind of form that I use going forward. So I, I think our listeners may, may not realize that these time savers 
are all probably already in their life. I think the power today is in identifying them and then replicating the idea across as many domains as possible. Well, and I think you're on an important point there too, because you said the key word for me, which is form. I consider in many cases, templates to be analogous to forms uh, because of what they're doing. It's providing that consistent, streamlined, efficient structure for some step in a process. And I know for me, uh, the majority of the work I do is around these kinds of form-based intake solutions. So I, I would put forms in that same bucket as a template. So I think about templates as being something that is, from my experience, something about both quality and control. So the organization that I worked for wanted to make sure that they were controlling the outputs on the other side. And in your own personal productivity system, you are the one who's benefiting your future self by giving some level of control, some level of guardrails to the outputs. So a template is a very wide category of repeatable content that you can use to control what the outputs are by controlling what the inputs are, and then on the other side, recognizing that by controlling the inputs and and some to some extent the output, you then can increase quality. And of course, there's there's time saving and potentially money savings there, and so many other you know useful benefits of the repeatability and the efficiency of a template. And I, I I'll start by by noting that in my world, a template can be content that you use in a wide variety of places. So from a checklist of items to just a, a, a snippet of, of a word uh, to your name, address, phone number, any number of different types of things, things that you're going to do and put into a system over and over and over again, that's the type of stuff that you want to template or what I call templatize. And so if you're going to do that, you got you have to really think about, am I going to do this? You know, you don't want to create a template for a document you're going to write once. But my rule is if I'm going to do it three times, then there's going to be a template. And as soon as I hit that second time, do I say, okay, is this going to be a third time? Because then it's going to be a fourth, fifth, sixth, and then a tenth. So I might as well create a template. And so for me, the benefit is recognizing when something is worthwhile being a template and to to be able to templatize the items that I know I'm just constantly putting into things, why should I waste the keystrokes, the mental energy, the the uh, potential quality uh, missteps when I can just put that into a template and then with a few keystrokes uh, generate that content that I know is exactly what I want, or at least I have the 80% rule, kind of the Pareto principle of templates, I think. What is the eighty percent that that will that will be the substance, and then I just have to fill in the pieces. There's an additional piece that I would quantify on templates, and that's the creation of a template is an excellent litmus test as to your level of understanding of what you're trying to templatize. Because if you don't have a good in-depth understanding of it, you're not going to be able to create an effective template. You're going to miss things. The structure is going to be wrong. It's going to be inefficient. So you have to really get what you're trying to templatize before you can create an efficient template. And going back to my experience as someone who 
used to build templates in an organization, I also recognize that it's a matter of helping others who may not understand your authority domain as well as you do. And so, you know, when you're creating, in my case, you know, advanced trust and estate plans um, in a law firm environment, you have to make sure that every piece of those templates makes sense because then from it, you're developing hundreds, if not thousands, of other people's outputs. And so you you think about what are all of the potential permutations that could happen in and around people's families and the law and the individual preferences as to disposition of, of assets. All of those things come into play. And you you need to think about how much you need to think about a template versus how much you don't because you can go down a very deep rabbit hole um, and we'll get to that in some of the challenges at the end. But you know, you need to decide how much needs to be templated here, how much needs to be your, your domain authority and how much just needs to get you into a framework. So for example, I have a, an email template, which is very basic. It is just the salutation, a, a set of prompts for me to be able to answer an email in the format that I want to answer almost every email professionally, and then a closing salutation. I don't know what you call that, a closing. And so it closes out the email and then that's it. And that's all I want. I don't, I don't want the template to be doing more thinking for me than just structure. So there is kind of two sides to that in, in terms of thinking about the template. Agree, disagree? There is a couple of things on that. You know, one, the reason, the, the one, of course, is that what we can argue the efficiency factor on that one. But I think templates give you two things. I will argue that all of us has an intelligent, a point where we are rested, full of attention energy. That's problem. That's not a problem. When you are there, you can write the email, you can use the text, and it will come good. The problem is when you are not. That is the moment, one of the moments where those templates come to be really, really, really useful. When you can then now use that text that you already predefined, that you know it works, that is grammarly correct, and, and all that. That's, that's one of the biggest issues. The other one is we tend to think and, and when we don't do the templates, then you are thinking and rethinking and thinking again the same thing, but you are not making any step to standardize and, and make it work better. And I see that over and over. That's the other thing where, where those templates work really, really well. The, the, third, the other aspect I want to mention with templates is how much when you, you know, people tend to, to think often that, well, but I want to be more spontaneous. If I use templates for things, then I cannot be as spontaneous. And, and I will argue it's exactly the opposite. The templates allows you to look at that thing that you create and now look, okay, do I want to tweak? Do I want to adjust it? Do I want to make something specific for this response and this account? Uh, as a person who who start his career in sales, I had templates for proposals, for responsive proposals, and everything else. And always was really interesting for me how my coworkers, every time they were going to do a proposal, 
they start from zero. You know, they did not have a template. They did not, and then begin looking and redo everything. That basically increased the number of mistakes because now you have a variability factor. So that's the other thing for for me in my world where templates do incredible things. You can now reduce over time the number of mistakes and make little adjustments that make the job much better. And with that, let's start talking about what productivity software you actually use where you use templates. And that could be if the system has an internal or embedded template system, or if you just use some other mechanism for being able to create those templates. I'll, I'll start with a very basic underlying premise. You are always using a template. <laughs> so uh, surprise, uh, no matter where you are in whatever system you're using, as soon as you're using a system, there is a template involved. If you open up a day planner on paper, that day planner likely has a structure. That's a template. If you open up a Word document, there is a file called normal.dotx or normal.dot if it's an older version of Microsoft Word. But normal.dotx is a template. And while you don't see anything, there's actually a lot of underlying information inside of normal.dotx. And what's really cool about it is that you can modify that normal file, that normal template, and uh, when you add, for example, uh, personal dictionary items, you know, when, you, when Word says to you, hey, this word is uh, misspelled wrong, but it happens to be technical jargon that you use every day in your, your environment, and you say, okay, save that, it saves it into the system, and then you say, you know what, I'd like to actually have this paragraph of content always available to me with this technical jargon. You can actually save that, and when you save it, it actually saves it into that normal.dotx file, and so I always tell everyone, as soon as I start working with them, you need to back up your normal.dotx if you're going to start utilizing some of the underlying template structures within your normal.dotx file or dotx file. And uh, actually, at one point when I was a very heavy Microsoft Word user, I had a, a normal.dotx file that was megabytes in size. Now, think about, you know, normal one starts out at like 20K, maybe 19K with some good you know, amount of text, and and mine was several megabytes large. <laughs> so you can only imagine how much content I had shoved into this normal.dotx file. And you need to make sure that you back that up if you do uh, end up using that. And that could be, you know, having various keystrokes trigger a a series of questions for you that are that are modals, little pop-up windows that then dialogue you through uh, a document or a letter or those kinds of things. So I'll start there. And what are some of the other software that you use and the templates that you might use within them? Let me start from, from my PC days. In my PC days, I begin with uh, Russ Buggerman software, ActiveWords. That, that was one of the first templates I, I really begin to, to use so consistently. That was probably the first one I did in a super consistent way. Uh, that was not something on Word or or those kind of things. The first obviously was on Word. Uh, while I was going to to college, I work as a paralegal, so I needed to submit a report every day. So basically I created a template and I just fill up the five things needed to happen. And that way, you know, 
I could finish my report much faster than than the rest. But later on, I include active work. When I move out of the PC, I moved to a piece of software called Text Expander by a company bill uh, named Smile Software. And both pieces of software are still available. And what both allows you to do is to create a keyword, and then that keyword will expand into text or actions in the case of active words, text only in the case of um, text expander. Later on, on on iOS, now you can do that in the keyboard. So I use a lot the keyword, for example, for emails. I don't type my email. If I, if you put two at signs, it will give me an email. That is the email I use the most, my work email. If I type three at signs, now change to my personal email. So I never need to type the whole thing. I just need to use that. That is a way of using a template. I have templates like that for standard response email. When I get a new client, there is a template, a response that basically is a standard. It includes like what they need to do, the next steps, and everything else. And it's a template. I just copy-paste, personalize if needed to be, and send it. Um, so those are some of the examples that I use this template and software that I use every day. I have tons of templates now in notes. Uh, that I can basically copy paste and and move on. I use a, a bunch of them in Sketchpal. It allows you to define time maps, which are heat map. It's a, like a heat map for a task. So it allows you to, to assign these categories of tasks. Like for example, the best writing times, the best times to write, and those could be Tuesday, Thursday, and Wednesday from. 6 a.m. in the morning till 10 a.m. 10 a.m. in the morning. So it allows you to set up these customized heat maps for particular categories of tasks. And as you create or whatever, you, you know, you come up with a brand new task, you can assign it to one of these heat maps or one of these time maps. And in its algorithm, it tries to optimize your choices. You, you tell it, Within each heat map, you say, here is the best time, which could be like 6 to 10. Here's the not so good time, which could be 5 to 6, 10 to 11. And you could leave the rest blank, which, which means it'll never, it'll never assign a task outside of that time map. So it can get pretty intricate, as you could imagine, because all of these are, they're all overlapping, of course, and you can create... I don't think it's an infinite number. I think you could create 20 different time maps for different kinds of tasks. But essentially what you're doing is you're training the program to behave as if it's the perfect advisor, like the perfect admin who knows that you only like to write on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. So if if your admin is in control of your calendar and is scheduling time for you to write, they would only pick those particular times. And subject to a few changes, they would pick a time that's on the edge or and if they had to totally schedule a completely different time, they would might break the temp, not use the template, let you know that you need, you're not going to get it done if you're, if you stick to those time frames. but how about Wednesday at four o'clock? So it allow you're basically training the program to be a better and better and better advisor over time. And of course, this is a whole bunch of reflection as to 
what you do with respect to your time preferences because I think we mentioned before we're all using templates and I think we all have a, a, a weekly template of some kind I imagine uh, we have breakfast at a particular time lunch dinner we work we work out we rest and I think we pretty Skedpal is trying to give you the flexibility to take what you do in your real life and translate it into these time maps templates. Yeah, I've got three main ones I'll call out. And like the guys have said, I mean, I use tons of them for various things, but the three main applications are OneNote, Notion, and SharePoint. OneNote has a built-in templatization function. Matter of fact, I'm using it right now to be able to take a page that you've already written and say, save this as a template and also set it as the default for a section. So that way, any new pages you create in that section automatically pick up that template. It's a great way to optimize and streamline the process of creating new content. Uh, Notion has something very similar where you can templatize not only whole pages, but you can templatize sections of content, for example, like a database table. And you can have it drop another configured database table into a page so that you have a streamlined way of, of putting pieces in place. SharePoint's a little bit different. Uh, SharePoint, I use the templatization function on their news posting quite a bit to be able to generate standardized types of news posts within SharePoint sites. You just select the template for the news post you're creating, fill it out and publish it, and you're off and running. So those are the three most common ones. But if I think about it, I've got template after template after template. And a lot of them I should probably get rid of because they're probably either old, out of date, or just need to be redone. I use so many templates. I'm going to try and keep my, my comments brief here. So let's start with email. Uh, we've already talked about email, but there are two types of templates in email that I use most explicitly. Uh, those are, and, and I'm in the Gmail interface, both personally as well as in at work. So I'm using G Suite, uh, being the Google Small Business Advisor for Productivity, uh, clearly I use uh, G Suite in my work world. And so there are email signatures, and those email signatures are, are changeable uh, depending upon context. And so I have uh, several different types of email signatures that I might use uh, depending upon whether I'm sending that email on behalf of myself personally, myself professionally, and when I'm replying or forwarding emails along to folks when I'm on mobile versus desktop, all of those are different. Then we have templates. So they used to be called canned responses and were part of the Gmail labs, and they were they were moved out of Gmail labs into Gmail proper, and now they're available both on the consumer side Gmail as well as in G Suite Gmail. And templates are, in essence, templates for you to create those things in your email compose window. And they are so, so helpful. As I said at the top, I actually have just a standard email response template. So as soon as an email comes in, if I am going to read it but not respond to it right this moment, I actually have a template that says, I've received your email. I will get back to it. And then it leaves a blank for me to be able to put a date or time or time frame next week, Tuesday, you know, three months from now. Doesn't matter what I put in there, but I it, it is in essence is a as a template. I click 
the template, it pops it in, I hit send, and now the person has been replied to, even though I haven't yet done the work necessary, but they know that I've received the message because I don't know if they have read receipts turned on in their email system or whatnot, but I want to affirmatively many times let people know I've received their email, do not email me again, it's in my system. And so it's really helpful for just letting people know that on the professional side. Then I have a, I have dozens and dozens of templates for different kinds of email that I receive at work, and they don't require me to myself do anything. I just need to give information along. So because of my standing with Google Small Business, I get lots and lots of tech support emails regarding G Suite. I am not tech support. Do not email me tech support questions. <laughs> and so I have a thoughtful, nice message that outlines where people can go ahead and seek guidance when they do have tech support issues. If people are thinking workflow and how to set up G Suite in their company and so on and so forth, I'm happy to personally tailor and meet with those folks and, and start a contractual relationship, but I'm just not tech support. So I have those email templates set up so that I can just not ignore them, but you know, send a message. It's thoughtful. It has all the information they need to go start getting assistance in the right places, like calling G Suite and getting technical support from G Suite directly and going, going on from there. So I'm not wasting time. And many times that's something that my assistant can do as opposed to me, because now I have created a template that anyone can use to respond to those vast amount of emails that I get that are just, sorry, I can't help you directly, but here goes where you can get that kind of help. Uh, moving on, I have Evernote. In Evernote, there is a template gallery. Evernote actually provides you with a, a body of templates where that you can source from, including even a GTD template. They have a template called GTD, you're getting things done. And they then give you the ability to create your own templates if you have Evernote Premium. And I believe it's only Evernote Premium, not Evernote Basic. And so you then have the ability to create your own templates. I think you can have up to 20 templates. You're capped at that. So what I do in Evernote is actually I just create notes and then put them into a notebook called templates. You can also create templates and put them into their resident notebooks and just tag them all templates so that you can search against templates cross notebooks. And those are extremely helpful. I have one that starts out my day. So every day I use the same template. I just open up a new note, click templates inside the body of the editor and the template gallery opens up. I click on uh, my, my new productivity day journal entry item note, uh, my new productivity note, and then I start my day by completing the components of what I want and how I want to structure my day. Just a couple of examples of other tools that actually have templates built into them. Uh, Trello, Trello has a template system built into it. Asana, Asana has a template system built into it. And uh, Google Calendar, you can duplicate events. So many times people are creating from scratch events over and over again, you don't need to just click the three dots icon on any event and then click duplicate and it will recreate that event. So if 80% of the details are the same, all you need to do now is change the date and time and maybe some of the interior details of that particular calendar event and you're off to the races. So just think about that. You can create your own templates for almost any Microsoft Office document. And for that matter, any Google document, although that's a little bit more of a manual process, just making a copy of an existing document. But in the Microsoft Office world, Excel, PowerPoint, 
Word, you name it, you're able to create a, just like the DOT or DOTX, there is a format for each of those types of Office files. And then when you when you duplicate that, you're not actually duplicating from a, you're not just making a copy, you're actually sourcing the content from that file, which is immutable unless you tell it to change. And then you're sourcing the document content into your new spreadsheet or presentation or what have you, and you're you're off to the races. Now you've created a new file and you can change that file and it's a normal Excel or PowerPoint file or whatever. And you're, you're, you're just using that file and, and templates in the Microsoft Office world are really, really helpful so that you're not kind of messing up your templates by when you make a copy of something, maybe you go back and you accidentally muddy up the waters of the existing template. I see that all the time. You know, if you have a centralized database of documents among many people, having those those template files as opposed to uh, just a normal Office file now means that when someone double clicks on it, they're going to generate a new document that's going to be separate from the original source template. And that's so, so helpful. Okay. Yeah. One quick area to call out, and I've, I neglected on mentioning this earlier, uh, you're going to find also a lot of templates available in your automation tools. Things like IFTTT, Zapier, Power Automate from Microsoft are loaded with templates, which are, go back to that earlier fourth item I mentioned, are great ways to learn how those tools work. Taking typical processes that you'll do and turning it into an automation, being able to see how that was constructed from the template is a great way to shorten the learning curve. Uh, That was one of the first ways I learned how to use Power Automate was to use the template that they had to strip off attachments from incoming emails and store those attachments into a OneDrive folder. It's a very simple one. But it's a template that I use constantly because it just runs on its own. But it also gave me an opportunity to look at how someone else would create that kind of tool. I also just realized I didn't mention Remember the Milk. And Remember the Milk itself doesn't have a template feature. And so I just create checklists within particular items. So say I'll say I'll create a project and it'll have all of the embedded tasks for that project. I will mark it complete. And then that way it's no longer in view, but whenever I need it, all I need to do is duplicate the project and then all of the underlying tasks then come along with the project. And now I have that to, in essence, use for whatever purposes I I want. So I'm always looking at the most recent project I completed, or I'm looking for my project template for any projects that have the same structure, the same kind of arc of what I want to get done for that project. And I am very much about connecting my project management software to Remember the Milk. And so many times I'm using, say, Asana or Trello to actually generate the tasks over. So I've used that function less and less for work-related projects because it's Trello or Asana connected to Ift or Zapier that's actually generating those tasks and Remember the Milk for me. But in my own personal projects, those tasks are actually created by me just going in and manually saying, select this, uh, duplicate it, and now the project that was completed now is a new project that I can then manifest for the uh, current project that I want to complete. So note that you can 
templatize things that don't have a template system in them as long as you're able to duplicate and and source those things from the outside uh, even to the effect that in uh, evernote for example evernote has the ability to export a note in a uh, enex file and so you can actually have that file sitting on your desktop and you can just drag and drop it into evernote and it will now import a new note and you're good to go. You could just use it as a, as a template. So think beyond just the borders of some of these items. For example, in Outlook, you can create a .email file just by saving your email to your desktop. That can be a, a template by itself. Uh, you know, you open it up, copy the content, and uh, go to town. Uh, there, there are a lot of different ways in which you can create templates, even if the system itself doesn't have its own core template functions. Augusto's morning and evening notes from the, the Impact Journal. Or Impact Journal. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, I think those are templates for starting the day and ending the day. And I've been, as I mentioned before, I've included ideas from that in my own startup activities at the beginning of the day. So that's a, that's a great, great, easy one to use. Yeah, I, I didn't mention Apple shortcuts where... You know, I use a lot of those, as as Francis said, you know, the, the planners, and, and we mentioned the planner and, and the impact journal is one of those cases. We mentioned it on a previous episode of Productivity Cast, and it goes every day, you know, to to allow me to, to use or answer similar questions. There is also a Dr. Marshall Goldsmith um, had a set of questions uh, that came on his book, uh, What Got You Here Will Not Get There, I think it is in the title of the book, that also provide with a set of questions that you should ask yourself or get somebody to listen to daily. And uh, it's at the end of the day, it's another template and allows you to establish, you know, a line so you can get a better reference on how the day is going. And at the end of the day, that is nothing else than than another template. So if we pay attention, the, the issue with templates is they turn invisible into us. You know, as we were talking um, about Sapir, about if, you know, I, I was nodding in here and say, oh yeah, that's that's a template that it's invisible in, in my life. You know, I use the, the Amazon lady. I can use, I use a Sapir template to get the Amazon lady to add things into my iOS reminders, you know, and I use Big A to add those reminders. That is really convenient as we have a couple of them around the house. So I can walk around any of them and say, hey, Big A, remind me to do this. And it will put it directly into my system. So all of these templates are really designed to help you move forward in an easier way and in a more, more effective way. I will, I will add that for those on the Android platform, lest you think that you don't have both text replacements as well as the ability to do similar or akin to what Apple Shortcuts does, there are different applications on the system that do that. For text replacements, you have the personal dictionary, and that's in the Android settings. If you just go to your settings and then type in personal dictionary, it'll pull it up, and that does exactly what Apple's keyboard text replacements do. And I'll also note that on text replacements, if you have uh, Mac OS and iOS and iPad OS, Apple actually synchronizes those text replacements in the background for you. So if you create that text replacement on your Mac OS, then it's going to synchronize 
to your other devices, which is very, very slick and very helpful. Just make sure that you trigger it with a character that you don't use very often. I, I have several clients who have, who have gotten themselves into lots of text replacement hell by creating things that like, you know, start with the letter D or start with the letter T for templates. And then all of a sudden, everything they type is now getting converted into a template because of the text replacement. And that can be very, very frustrating. On the Apple shortcut side, right now we have Google routines, which is the inbuilt or built-in functions within the uh, Google ecosystem. The other side to that is that there's there are some independent applications like Tasker uh, is one that allows you to be able to create these kinds of automations like Apple shortcuts. And the Tasker application is still kind of developer focused, like, you know, it's very techie. Uh, so you, you have to be fairly geeky to make a lot of this work, but there are lots of templates there. I think it's getting better. And there are other applications out there that are similar to that. But I just wanted to, to make note that if you wanted to be able to use templates in the workflow setting, and we'll, we'll have some other conversations about automating your systems for greater productivity in future episodes, but just know that those tools do exist on that level as well. With that, let's move on to what are some of the challenges that you face when using templates and the challenges you see others face in using templates? I use the example of in, in text replacements, in essence, you, uh, using uh, shortcuts or you know keywords that trigger that are too common. And so therefore, they start to generate everywhere you don't want them to be generated. And so that's just one common mistake I see in text replacements. And you should definitely use like start every keyboard uh, template with some kind of trigger key, like the number sign, then the word so that you know that you're never going to accidentally type in the number sign before the word that you want to trigger to create that text replacement. Those are the kinds of challenges I'm looking to hear from you all and how you overcome them or help others overcome them. For me, I use, for everything that is work-related, I use the star. So it's star, star, and then the name of the shortcut. And for everything that is personal, I use the dot. So dot, dot. So if I put dot, dot home, it will give me the address of home. So if I want to type that, so that way I can separate those. So if I do dot, dot, and the, the initial of my kids, it will do their, their name, the full name. So that allows me to to really go fast and, and into those into those things. Annoying thing is when I get a non-iOS device and I start typing dot dot and the initials and don't work. I think for me, the biggest challenge is not getting hung up as hung up on creating the template as is putting it to use. I find it's one of those rabbit holes where it's easy to sit there and continue to try and tune to create the perfect template that will deal with all possible situations and all possible information. And it just spirals woefully out of control rather than being flexible enough to handle the things that fall outside the scope of your template. For example, let's take something simple like meeting minutes. I mean, we, we all know, we've all seen templates for capturing meeting minutes and they all look different and it's different maybe depending on the type of meeting and depending on what you're trying to capture. Uh, trying to create one uniform meeting minute template that covers all gambits. It's just, in my book, not worth the effort. It's better to have follow the 80-20 the 
get something that's going to at least get you in the ballpark, and then you can tune as you need to on the fly. And if you find that you're doing the same tuning multiple times, maybe then go back and refine your template a little bit more. And I just, I think that perfectionist rabbit hole can be really pretty nasty when it comes to templates. I think I used to think of templates as uh, the more the merrier. I think I've, I've changed my point of view to what, what are the minimum that I need to have that I can get away with? And I, th- I think that point of view, I shifted because of the time it takes to create the template. And then there are certain use cases that were, they only happened once and I would never go back to that template again and realize that the time spent creating it was, wasn't really worth it. Um, so no, I, I only, you know, I kind of take, I kind of pause and I say, okay, do I need to create a template because I'm either going to forget this or because I do it so often that I, um, I need to use it over and over again. Uh, so it's going to save time because of the frequency. So I, I think I use those two rules. Um, I use, I use the same template, for example, to, build every single presentation I'm going to make, every single speech, presentation, sales pitch sometimes if I'm writing copy. Um, I I follow a a standard outline. And for a while, I couldn't even find the outline I originally created. I, I beefed it up, realized that it applied to a few other places. So it went from being something I was using infrequently to something I use at least once a week to create all these different kinds of outputs. And so I've become, I've become stingy. I think that's, that, that's where my head is now anyway. <laughs> yeah, on the heels of what Art was talking about in terms of template design, in especially in the document automation and document assembly space, I really try to have people think about things from two different stages. One is that 80-20 rule, right? The Pareto principle of document assembly and or templates is you the template needs to do 80% of the work. It doesn't need to do 90. It doesn't need to do 100%. Start with 80%. And that means structure and base level substance of the content. And many times it's actually the structure that is the most difficult part of any level of templatizing. So especially in document assembly, where you might have a document that is very complex, and so you want to make sure it's in the right form. Say you're doing grant writing, and you want to make sure the grant is is in the right flow for every kind of RFP that you're going to uh, put forward for a grant. Um, And so you you want to make sure that you are not getting too tied up in the fact that you could just move a section above or below to make sure it fits the requirements of the request for proposal for that particular grant. And on on the flip side, in terms of, say, a, a pro forma legal contracts, you want to make sure that those are in a standard format. And many times it's just looking at others to make sure that it's staying within that set of boundaries and you know and here in the united states you know we have the five fundamental components of a, of a contract just making sure you're touching point on what the five fundamental components of a contract are i'm not going to get into it here but uh, <laughs> but once you have those pieces in place then you can now know that the contract is good enough and and then satisficing to that level the other part that i see a lot of people make mistakes in templates with is putting in 
too much content. And uh, and so the the template becomes this bloated thing and you have to actually delete more stuff than you have to enter. And that means there's a rate of diminishing return. If the template is supposed to cut down the, the amount of input that we have to do to get to the, the terminal output, then if you have to delete more to get to that output, maybe you need multiple templates and then that defines what the outcomes will be, or you need to just decide that the system you're using is not designed for that kind of template. And then you may need to step outside of say, Evernote or Microsoft Word or OneNote or otherwise, and choose a document automation specific software. And there are many of them out there. Uh, I used to be in the hot doc space, and so Hotdocs is a document assembly software. It's not cheap, so I'm not recommending anybody to go out there. But if you're in a corporate or enterprise environment, you're trying to invest in document assembly, it's probably one of the best products out there for that. Uh, but there are ones that are web-based. Uh, there are ones that are open source where you can host your own. Uh, DocAssemble is one of those. And I absolutely am a huge fan of document assembly software. We have to do our, a, a separate episode just on that topic. But the goal is not to get tied too uh, intimately with shoving everything into the document, into that particular template, because you're going to, in essence, create more complexity. And when more complexity rises, the level of mistakes that can be made increases exponentially. Because remember, if you're using a template, especially if you're sharing it, if it's a collaborative template, then there are that many more people who are generating the document who potentially aren't trained on how to get the consistent output and therefore are going to create more problems downstream for the organization. So it just depends on whether this is you using it in your own system or whether you're collaborating with others and really deciding on how those uh, worked together. I know that for me, where I was creating hundreds of templates a year that were being used across an entire organization, my goal was to be able to put in as few parts of the template as necessary that really solidly answered the questions of what the outcome of the of the documents or the forms you know sometimes i would be doing complex uh, tax returns that were being generated in the assembly software and so if i just made sure that the primary tax calculations worked every time then i didn't worry so much about silly little optional fields and and whatnot because the attorneys and the accountants could then complete those on the back end and they were completely fine with that because they knew that they could trust the numbers. So decide on what's most important as the outcome and which parts are optional. And you can just deal with that on the on the back end in some easy way and then focus on that. That's going to get you over the biggest hurdle of, of the too much stuff in one template problem. Okay, final comments. What's the number one actionable takeaway listeners should take from this episode? Well, as a final note, it's important to notice, one, the importance of templates. Second, as we mentioned, some of these templates get invisible to you. So pay attention if you are using ones and which ones you are using conscious or unconsciously and bring them back to conscious, bring them back to what you are actually wanted to accomplish. And the last thing is keep it simple. 
it's better to have three templates of the thing with different levels of detail than one that then you need to spend the time every time deleting the information you do not want to add in there. Perhaps look for those areas that I mentioned before, the ones that are important but infrequent, which means that there'll be stuff that you may forget the next time you need to do it, or the ones that are are high frequency, um, I would save time because you put together the template and and look for the look for the best you know the low hanging fruit and try it out. Yeah, I I have to agree with Francis on that one. If you're not using templates, you should absolutely be looking into using templates, if for no other reason, to simplify what you're doing, and to cut down the rote work and allow you to focus on the work that really requires you to think about it. Uh, if if you're using templates, good, keep it up. <laughs> uh, look at ways to improve and refine them. But the most basic, if you're not, do it. Start. So I have two pieces of advice for folks. One is to look at the processes in your days. So what are the workflows that you're doing and which ones are repeatable and which ones are just unique every time? And then look at the repeatable ones, the ones that are consistently similar, and whether or not there are things that you are doing. Like if you go into the same system every day and punch in the same information, we're not talking about passwords, uh, (laughs) but we're talking about just the same substance in different places, then there's probably an opportunity there for you to do that. But it really makes you have to step back and look at the gestalt of your workflows throughout the day. What are the workflow routines? And then decide what can be automated in terms of content and, and as well as just the the actual steps involved as well, where maybe as as Art talked about, an Ift or a Zapier might be able to, or Power Automate or otherwise, uh, Trello Butler, you name it, can start to implement some of the uh, the efficiencies of automation. Then there's the other side, which is that so often than not, people don't know where to start because they just don't know where to start writing a template from scratch there should be no writing of templates from scratch. We have Google, we have the World Wide Web, so search for templates. There are so, so many templates out there. And even if it's a template that is a PDF that you're using as uh, just a starting point of seeing what other people have done can be immensely helpful for being able to then say, okay, this is what I don't want. This template looks horrible. This template looks beautiful. And now let me go from there. You don't need to start from scratch. And you can start with kind of the lowest hanging fruit. The things that you do the most often really will get you the greatest productive gain. And that's where I think that you should start with templates. And so with that, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, for this conversation. We had had a lot of fun. Um, While we are at the end of our discussion, the conversation doesn't stop here. If you have a question or a comment about what we've discussed during this cast, please visit our episode page on productivitycast.net. There on the podcast episode page on the website at the bottom of the page, uh, feel free to leave a comment or a question. Uh, We read and respond to them if you are requesting a a response. And so uh, feel free to go ahead and do that. Um, If this is your first time with us, please consider adding us to your favorite podcast app. If you click on the subscribe tab on productivitycast.net, you'll see the instructions to follow us and get episodes downloaded uh, for free every time a new one comes out. 
If you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to discuss on a future cast, please visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact. Uh, you can leave a voice recorded message. We have a little uh, speaker icon. You click on the speaker icon, it'll ask for access to your uh, microphone, and you can actually record a message to us, or you can type us a message, and we'll maybe feature it on a future episode. Who knows? I want to thank Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwix for joining me here on Productivity Cast each and every week. You can learn more about them and their work by visiting productivitycast.net as well. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and on behalf of all of us at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwix.